Hi, I'm Jake Shears, and I want to tell you about my new podcast, Queer the Music, that uncovers the anthems that have dominated dance floors and shaped queer lives. I'll be unpacking a different track each episode to discover the fascinating stories and backgrounds to each tune with the help of my brilliant guests. I had been advised by a media trainer to not come out. Love to see every kind of person say, sucking on my titties, because we all have titties. We got pelted cups of water tubes of toothpaste that's queer the music with me jake shears listen wherever you get your podcasts ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before we begin, this series features the amazing unheard stories of queer nightlife in Britain, colourfully told by the community that lived it. So expect the unexpected, strong language and themes of an adult nature. My name is Damien Kerlin and this is Memories from the Dance Floor, a docu-series which unravels the forgotten history behind LGBTQ plus nightlife across the UK. Join me as I dive into 20th century queer culture and the opening of iconic superclubs. Along the way, I'll speak to artists, promoters and patrons as we unpack the expressions of queer identity through truly epic nights from the real lives of the community behind those closed doors and the memories that will last a lifetime. came out in early 87 and we used to go to the bars there were two bars the jester and partners and the nightingale which was then located at the back of the hippodrome on thorpe street this is peter bates aka dj dolly i used to come in early and think why is it so empty and then i'd leave at 11 o'clock for my last bus and one night the doorman said to me Aren't you staying? I said, well, I thought you closed. It's not very busy. He said, no, the pubs are empty shortly. And then within 10, 20 minutes, full. So I'd been missing a trick. So for the first three months, I thought the Nightingale was just a no-go, kind of nobody wants to be in there, just, you know, early risers for a can of breaker. So I stopped over and I stood behind the DJ box and I got talking to the DJ and just decided, I thought, do you know what? I could do this. This is where DJ Dolly came from. I worked at the job centre. And a lot of gay guys at the time were out of work and they'd come to see Dolly Doll. So, and they'd sign on later and I'd say, shh, it doesn't matter, it's fine. So that's where the name came from. And of course, in old Polari, in old gay slang, Dolly means lovely. Suits me fine, at least it wasn't a dreadful name. So 
I just kind of stuck with that. The Nightingale opened in 1969, making it one of the longest running nightclubs in the UK. I travelled up to Birmingham to meet the people behind the scenes of this adored establishment. We'll hear more from DJ Jolly in a bit, but I first caught up with the current owner, Lawrence Barton, who remembers visiting the infamous Nightingale for the first time back in college. We had to sort of knock the door to get in, uh, which was exciting and sexy. <laughs> I loved it. And I was just a little party boy. I just parted like there was no tomorrow. And I was studying at college, but I just fell in love with the whole sexual energy. The f- and, and actually being in a space where I felt that was our space and it was allowed, I was allowed to be who I was. And I'd never had that feeling of liberation ever. You know, brought up in a working class environment where I'd not been exposed to people like me. I'd never seen me before up until that point. That was the start of the journey, the fun. But like many other gay venues, the Nightingale has not been without its issues. As an ex-private members club, the clientele was predominantly men, white men, who were hesitant to open their doors and embrace the diversity of Birmingham's LGBTQ plus community, which it is now known for. As DJ Dolly tells me. The Nightingale, as you might know or understand historically, was a private members club. It always had been. It was owned by four men in 1969 when they started it. This is the fourth place it's been. And it, it grew, but it remained a private members club. We could only bring friends in if they were known. The, the, um, the doorman would have the little sliding door with the cage on it. It was like that private. They'd look, and if you didn't look gay enough, or if they didn't recognise you, you wouldn't get in, which is astounding for now. And I think I got in first time. I was being a bit cheeky, and I said, well, do you want the last verse to Over the Rainbow or the middle verse? You know, how gay do you want me to be? <laughs> so you have to kind of joke your way in, and that's yeah. how I got in. But it was specifically a men's domain. But where there is a will, there is a way. Isn't that right, Dolly? I had two best friends, two girls, and they always wanted to come in, and we used to smuggle them in. I'd distract the guy on the ticket office who knew they were coming in, and he'd just flick his finger to get them in quickly. Once they're in, it was no problem. But the older members would be in the club, and they'd say, what are those girls doing there? But you could sign them in, but only one. So, of course, I got two but they weren't allowed to buy drinks at the bar. They couldn't use poppers or buy poppers. They had to leave when you left. These views were shared across the community, from Birmingham to London, and it's something Amy LeMay, London's night star, who you may remember from previous episodes, is very much aware of. I found it quite difficult on the lesbian scene because I was feminine presenting. And there was disbelief that somehow, you know, I wasn't a real lesbian. And so I was turned away from clubs, lesbian clubs for wearing a skirt. <laughs> you know? um, and I, I'm able to laugh now, but at the time it was deeply hurtful because it felt like, you know, you had to reach a particular bar before anybody would accept you. And I had already like come from a place where I wasn't accepted and I I really wanted to find find my tribe in London. I did. It just took a little while, but that's okay because the people that I found, you know, they made me and those places made me um, for which I'm eternally grateful, you know, and it just also goes to show that our community isn't, you know, we're, <laughs> we, we can be just as discriminatory 
as other communities can be towards ourselves. And it wasn't only misogyny that carried on. Racism was also present, which Mark Thompson, co-director of The Love Tank and host of the incredible podcast Black and Gay Back in the Day, also recalls. Overall, a lot of clubs or the big clubs and the bars and the pubs were run by white gay men of a particular age, of a particular class, of a particular background. And they were looking out and they were catering for themselves and their friends. People didn't care about black queer men or black queer women. So we weren't welcomed in those spaces. And there were racist door policies, very often unsaid, unspoken. And then once I got into the club, either being fetishized or being ignored, being thought of as being a drug dealer, all of these things happen, which make your clubbing experience when you're meant to be going out and being joyful quite an unhappy one and an uncomfortable one. Today, Birmingham is recognised as a diverse cultural melting pot, but back in the 80s and 90s, it was all changing. And as DJ Jolly remembers, there are plenty of raised eyebrows when he took the bold step of spinning R&B for the first time on Sundays, which were the busiest nights of the week. It was through mixing various music styles and the genres that the Nightingale was able to branch out to a wider, more diverse queer community. Sunday nights were our main night. We could open at nine and have to shut the doors at 9.30 because we were full. And it would only run till 12 o'clock. Clubs in the old days, literally till two, but midnight on a Sunday, cleaning lights on, everyone out. And it was that Sunday night that I kind of nurtured the R&B sound because it wasn't anywhere else for gay people. You could go up to Broad Street, you could go to a straight bar, but you're not in your own space. So I brought that in and it brought a very different crowd in. And some of the members were a little bit, well, hang on a minute, this is turning into a black club. And I said, well, it's not like that really, is it? You've got to embrace the fact how multicultural Birmingham is. And it took a long time, but they were won over because it gave such a different vibe to the club early evening and people started coming in earlier and it just, it gained momentum. It had to be progressive. We had some great managers and they just made it a more welcoming place for all. I mean, a prime example is the first time we saw a Sikh gay guy came in, in a turban, the whole club stopped. And turned and looked and I went, okay, so he's gay. Imagine what he's struggling with at home. Let him come in, let him, and he had a great time. And I just went up and I said, look, I'm not going to apologise because we're just not used to this. So it was a very slow welcoming to all and of course now uh, I know they run Sarthi they have the night specifically for the Asian community and it's great that these things have opened up and I wish that I was 20 again because I'd be really enjoying the diversity of it all if you like. The willingness to adapt and cater to its LGBTQ plus audience has meant the Nightingale has only continued to go from strength to strength. I spoke to Dan, head of marketing and events, who has since left the organisation for Pastures New. Before leaving, he took me on a tour of Nightingale's three floors and filled me in on how the club has changed in the last decade. So how has it changed then, the Nightingale, since what, you've been here nine years? Um, how has it evolved, changed? I would say it's changed like dramatically since I've been here, but not just because of me, because of like, just the people that come here, it's become like very queer, where it was very catered to like the white gay man, do you know what I mean? And like, just like the music and the artists that get booked, like it was just very, that generic, oh yeah, like let's get so-and-so off X Factor or something, do you know what I mean? But I suppose that's just like, 
that was the, the same as the time. Different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone uh, was probably living for it back then. I think every gay bar across yeah, the country exactly. had an X Factor or The Voice at some point. Yeah, or another. yeah, yeah. When they were bitted out, they'd literally, be doing the literally, I think it'd be every week, wouldn't it, or something? I know we used to do that. But I think my first big booking was Miss Dynamite, and they were like, ah, "Why are you booking her for here?" And I was like, "Watch." <laughs> the guys love the garage yeah. and the hip hop and everything. Like it's gonna pop off, and it did. And then. That's sort of what I went for then, like, it weren't necessarily, like, in the charts, that sort of music. And we always book, like, a lot of, like, hip-hop artists yeah. here. It's, like, our prime sound, I would say, in the queer scene here. And just the people that, like, frequent the club, like, everyone says it gives off very much, like, what it was like in the 90s now, where, like, so many people come and dress up and like how they want and you have loads of like club kids and drag queens and stuff in here where it wasn't really like that when I used to come in the noughties like the early tens it was just very like boys dancing it like some twinks dancing in their pants and all that sort of stuff you know what I mean which is fine like you do you but that was it and I think it was when I started working in, in this it was like listening to the people that what they wanted if you look at like our entertainers on stage now most of them are probably women or female identifying or non-binary and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? It's, not, it's very rare we have like the standard gay guy in his pants here. We do do that because I know some people love that. Do you know what I, mean? I, don't, I don't mind it. <laughs> but I think that's a big change. We ended up having a Shrek night and it's become like a full like cult thing now. Like the demanding for a next one, it was absolutely rammed and it was just people come dressed as Shrek characters. And is that all done? I think that's everything. And that's where everyone gets finger. <laughs> what are you like? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. If the walls could talk, they would also tell the story of the Nightingale political arena, which not many knew about. It was a space which championed and pioneered for equality and ensured the safety of its LGBTQ community through Section 28, the AIDS pandemic, the battle for equal age consent, marriage equality and much more. I'm still a little bit 1980s when my boyfriend goes to hold my hand and I'll pull away and he went, it's OK now, it's 2022. And I'm like, OK, but... I'm still in small town boy land back there. Where we DJ Dolly. I had, you know, all sorts of uh, formal warnings from the police for showing affection or caring when my boyfriend was upset one day and they, they came over and gave me a warning and asked me how old he was. He was 19, I was 22. At that point, the age of consent was still 21. Mm. So I was 
breaking the law. I came on the scene probably the week that the AIDS leaflet dropped through the door, so that was a great introduction. And it did, for a while, decimate our community. It was predominantly gay men at that point that were using the club. And you'd see people come in, not look great. Then you'd see them three weeks later, almost skeletal, but determined to still have a good time with their friends, fight it to the end. They had no idea how long they got left and then they'd just disappear. And you'd say, what happened to Johnny? What happened to Jim? What happened to Craig? Oh yeah, died last week. I mean, I went to a lot of funerals. Older gay guys, the moustache brigade, the, the clones as such, sort of thinned right out, became almost invisible because so many of their community died. Um, but it was a tough time for, for fighting and that's why there was such security on the doors. That's why it was really hard to get in because there was always potential. The only trouble was outside. And although political, for many, it was also personal. Lawrence Barton, owner of the Nightingale. It has been a family. It has been a go-to place for our community and it, I just felt it was so important. And the thought of losing that from our history, our LGBT our history in Birmingham, with it being one of the oldest gay nightclubs in Europe, thought, well, I've, I've got to go there. And Birmingham is just as proud of their diverse culture as they are their heritage. The Nightingale strives to promote through partnerships with organisations such as Birmingham LGBTQ and Pride, promoting the political importance of our history and the need to continue it today. As we took a tour around the different floors and rooms the Nightingale has to offer, Dan pointed out the artwork on the walls and murals created by Queer Arts Festival. Oh, I don't know, I think a lot of the young people are more politically engaged now, aren't they? So they are actually interested about the history and stuff. Yeah. So we wanted to make sure as soon as they walked in, I know that's what Charles said, that people are educated as soon as they walk in, when they're queuing outside, what it's for. Part of the celebration of diversity is also the music and the broad styles and night presented at the Nightingale. Which also drew musical inspiration from London, in particular Heaven. We always went down to Heaven to see what London was doing. I'd literally stand sometimes on the dance floor for half an hour, not dancing, just taking in the lighting, what the DJ was playing, what people reacted to, and just taking a bit of it back with us. So not stealing ideas, but bringing a bit of Heaven to Birmingham. We were offered the Spice Girls, and the manager said no. Because, we had, because we'd had enough girl groups on. We used to have PAs most weekends of bands that you'd never hear of again. I used to make note of them, and I lost count. I literally listed hundreds of people that have worked here over the years. The Nightingale might have passed up the Spice Girls, but that hasn't stopped them missing out on some of Showbiz's fruitier acts. Yeah, we've had plenty of um, amazing artists and questionable ones on this stage. I know, like, honestly, like, I think the best interactions, some acts that I've had, like, the, we had the Cock Destroyers, but they haven't done a show like this before. And it was so funny because they were in the green room, they didn't know what to do. And they were just like, so can we suck people off on stage and stuff? And I was like, no, babe, it's not that sort of show. It's not that sort of show. They just like, they just want to see you. It wasn't just what was happening on stage, but off a dance floor where many found their chosen family. It's like, this is where I'm at my friends, you know what I mean? Like, I'm very lucky that, because I know some people, you know, you meet your friends when you're in clubs when you're young but it doesn't really go much further than that. But we've, yeah. we have really grew to be a family and 
I'm still like best friends with them to this day. Much like our community, the gay bar, club or venue is resilient and we rise in the face of difficulties and adversity. It's a beast and it's a beast for the whole community. And Lawrence Barton, owner of the Nightingale. It has to be for the people that it serves. So some people would say, I don't understand why you've got gay bars. We can go anywhere we want. Well, the composition in my venues would still suggest they're predominantly from the LGBTQI community and it's respect for allies. Similar to Heaven in episode one, the Nightingale is an out and proud super club. So, are the days of the super club numbered? I put this to our dolly. I think there will always be scope for a club of this type. And I think it'll go on for always, even if it gets sold on. I think the brand will exist in some form or another, even if the club downsizes, if super clubs have finished, there will always be, in somebody's heart, there'll always be space for the Nightingale. From a single-sex space to a multicultural welcoming venue, the Nightingale has demonstrated a commitment to our community which sees it continue to thrive today. Thank you so much for listening to Memories from the Dance Floor. If you enjoyed this trip down memory lane, then please like, share, subscribe and leave a review. Also, please feel free to get in touch and share your own memories from the dance floor with me at hello at demiancarolyn.com. Memories from the Dance Floor is an ACAS Amplifiers Commission podcast written by myself and produced by the incredible Hunter Shalton. Our artwork was created by Leon Davis and theme music was written by the gorgeous Jay Aria. Tune in next week where we'll be heading to the Black Cap in Camden for last orders. I probably shouldn't tell the story about having sex with the other DJ and then stealing his job, should I? Anyway, that's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward. See you on the dance floor. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello and welcome to Memories from the Dance Floor, the podcast that uncovers the hidden history behind our LGBTQ plus spaces. This June, for Pride Month, we will make a triumphant return with season two. Expect all the usual boss and coded expression, except this time things will be a little bit different. So use this time to brush up on your knowledge and catch up on season one, because we can't wait to welcome you back to the dance floor.